I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant You, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. So when it comes to health, it is no surprise that African-Americans experience the highest rates of chronic diseases that are preventable. And in particular, Black women have the highest rates of heart disease, stroke, certain cancers, and diabetes. And so we came into the pandemic with that. The pandemic has made that worse. You know, so if you are already coming in with these pre-existing conditions, you are likely, if you get the disease, to get sicker and die in the highest numbers from it. And so what do we do about that, right? Well, there are lots of things that can be done about that. One of the things is to uh, take back control of our health by changing the way we eat. If you haven't purchased your ticket for Plan Stock 2020, make it happen. It's going to be a doozy this year as my family and I give you a virtual front row seat to the Esselstyn family farm and you're going to be rocking and rolling with the plant strong rock stars who will be making appearances like Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Michael Clapper, Dr. Neil Barnard, Jean Bauer, and today's guest, the ageless vegan herself, Tracy McQuirter. Tracy is, without question, one of the trailblazers of the plant-based movement who has spent the last 30 years coaching people to go vegan for life. She's the author of the book, By Any Greens Necessary, that came out around the same time as The Engine 2 Diet, as well as her most recent book, The Ageless Vegan. Today, we reminisce about her own journey to veganism because of one inspirational lecture she heard 35 years ago while at Amherst College from civil rights activist Dick Gregory. We also dive into her role as author and nutrition coach from the perspective of a black female and her own worldwide initiative, 10,000 Black Vegan Women Movement. Her goal, empower people of color to improve their health, the ultimate social justice. Everyone has their own motivating and inspirational moment. That one thing that finally lights the spark to inspire real change within. Tracy's epiphany inspired her life's work to help others fall in love with the vegan lifestyle. Perhaps this episode with Tracy will be your spark for lasting action. I want to welcome Tracy McQuarter to the Plant Strong podcast. This is season two. Our theme is the heart of a hero. And, mm-hmm. and you, young lady, you young lady, have a huge heart. You're doing so much good in this, this plant-based movement. And, you know, I, I think back, Tracy, 
and I really consider you a, a kindred spirit of mine. You know, yeah. you, you and I, and we'll, we'll dive into this, but I think you and I have both been eating this way for 33 years. I feel like yeah. we've been kind of on parallel tracks. You wrote your first book in like 2010. I wrote mine in 2009. And this is, this is a cause and a movement that burns very deep within, within both of us. Absolutely. And, and me, obviously, as a white male, you as a black female, and I think we're just trying to do our best to get this, this word out and this message to as many people as possible. Um, and uh, it's, it's long overdue that I have you on the podcast, so welcome. Well, thank you for that, for those lovely words. And it's always, you know, great to be with you. And it's fabulous to be on your podcast. And yes, we have, we're, we have been at this a, a very long time. <laughs> yes, we have. Yes, we have. And I think the last time, you know, I, it, it pains me to say that, that I think I've only met you once in, in person. And I, I could be wrong, but, and that was in Washington, D.C. in like 2010. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. It feels like it's more than that. But I think we physically met when you were on book tour. And then you, you, it, there yeah. was a movie that you were in. Forks Over Knives. Yeah. yeah. That was Forks Over Knives? Yeah. Wow, so that was a while ago. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. But I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think you're right. But we yeah. know about each other and each other's work, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh I, people always ask me, you know, so Rip, who, what inspired you to go, to go plant-based? And obviously for me, it was my father and his groundbreaking research at the Cleveland Clinic. For you, and it's right around the same time period, you know, the mid 80s. Yeah. And I, I, what in the world inspired you way, way, way back then? Right. <laughs> So what inspired me? So first, the, the first person that really inspired me to think about healthier eating was my mom. So we were omnivores growing up in DC and my mom, I was, I'm the youngest of three daughters. Um, there's, you know, five years between, uh, within the, you know, a range of the three of us, three girls. And so when my mom was pregnant with my oldest sister, she just started reading about how to help have a healthy pregnancy. So we were omnivores eating, you know, the standard American diet. This is the mid sixties and, or early sixties and mid sixties. And, um, you know, she just wanted to, that's what got her started. So although we were omnivores, we didn't have, um, uh, you know, like sugary cereals. We didn't have sodas in the house. We didn't have candy jars. Um, we had whole wheat bread, skim milk, total cereal. I hated it. Fortunately, yeah. I had cousins who had lots of junky food. So, you know, we got to eat over there. Um, but, you know, I was familiar with the concept of healthier eating. So fast forward, um, and I'm a sophomore at Amherst College in 1986. And our Black Student Union brought Dick Gregory to campus to talk about the state of Black America, the political, economic, social state of Black America. And he decided to talk about the plate of Black America and how unhealthfully most folks eat. And he connected these same dots, politically, economically, culturally, socially. Um, and we didn't know that, you know, we, we knew Dick Gregory as a, as a political activist, a comedic genius, but we didn't know that he, had, that he had been vegan for 20 years by that point. And that was because of the practice of nonviolence during the civil rights movement. So he was a right-hand person to King, and he extended the practice of nonviolence to compassion for animals. But he was also, and this was in 1965, and he was also, though, a self-professed, um, overeater. He weighed more than 300 pounds. He drank and smoked, smoked excessively. And there was a woman named Dr. Alvina Fulton, who was a naturopathic physician, a black woman on the south side of Chicago, who had opened the very first vegan establishment on the south side of Chicago in the 1950s. She introduced him to veganism for health reasons in 1967. So by the time he came to my campus in 86, he'd been vegan for 20 years. 
gave this speech and it completely rocked my world. And I have to tell you that my first year in college, I gained 25 pounds because I was away from home and I didn't have to eat any of that healthy food and I ate <laughs> hot dogs and pizzas every day. So you can imagine how powerful his talk was for me to decide that I'm going to change the way I eat based on a, based on a lecture. So I immediately gave up hamburgers and hot dogs for a week. And then I was like, you know what, Dick Gregory's crazy. But I couldn't get what he said out of my mind. So I just started to read everything that was available at the time. And, you know, this is 10 years before the internet. So we had to go to the library and my mother and one of my sisters read them with me. And um, just to, you know, kind of bring it to a close, because, you know, there's, there's a year and a half from yeah. the start do it to actually doing it, you know, going from vegetarian to vegan. Um, you know, I, within a year and a half, I was fully vegan at that point. So, um, you said you were like rocked to the core yeah. by, by his talk. Yeah. You were, did you go up and talk to him afterwards? Oh yeah, I did. Actually, um, but I don't remember, I mean, I remember vividly sitting there after his lecture for a few minutes, just silent, just, just silently sitting there shocked. Mm -hmm. And there were, you know, it was a huge lecture hall and there were, you know, uh, people going up to him. And I just remember sitting there just stunned. I remember that. I remember where I was sitting, everything. And so I'm sure that I, you know, he, he, I think he, um, you know, stayed on campus for a while and we, he may have had lunch with us or whatever. I mean, I do remember vaguely that, but, but it was really just the vivid memory of sitting there in silence, stunned. And lunch was next. Was next. And so I was like, I don't, what am I going to eat? I don't know what to eat. I mean, I was just devastated, you know? Yeah. How, how, how many people were part of the, um, I think you said the, the Black Society, yeah, the Black Society at Amherst, because uh, well, black student union that, yeah. that brought him from Am of Amherst College that brought him to campus, but it was a lecture for the whole five college community. You know, uh -huh. so there's Smith, um, Mount Holyoke, Hampshire, and University of Massachusetts at Amherst. And so, you know, it was a big lecture hall. It was open to, but it was primarily black students from these colleges because it was a BSU event. So, you know, this is what he was doing. He was going around. I, I later, much later, found out he was going around to college campuses speaking about, uh, you know, we called, we called it the umbrella term of vegetarianism at the time, but, you know, he was talking about veganism around the country to college students, as yeah. he should. <laughs> yeah. No, it, well, it, it's obvious that, that that lecture and what he said had a profound impact on you. In mm -hmm. fact, you know, you dedicated your second book, to to him, yeah. uh, uh, ageless vegan, mm -hmm. and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he passed away in 2017. Yep. Um, and yeah. So right did you ever get I wrote, right before? I believe I was writing the book, the second book, and yeah. you know, so I wanted, and it came out in 2018. So yeah. I did want to dedicate it to him. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Oh, I did. After yeah. that. Several yeah. times. In fact, one of his sons was uh, my chiropractor. My, oh. my, my mom's chiropractor. I mean, so I had, Dick Gregory had a residence here in D.C. So I would see him at events. Um, his daughter, Ayana Gregory, was a, uh, is, a, is a, a singer and a performer. He would be at her events. I would see him there. And I, you know, I would go up and talk to him and let him know he changed my life. And he was always very gracious. And I remember one time I was at uh, his son's uh, office for a chiropractic appointment. He was my mother's chiropractor too. And um, I had never told his son this story. So I just decided that day to tell him that story. And he said, oh, okay, uh, I want you to go back to my office. And I said, okay. He's like, wait for me there. So I opened the door and there's Dick Gregory. Uh -huh. So I, so I was, you know, thrilled. And so I sat 
in the office with Dick Gregory. I happened to carry, be carrying around my first book at the time. You know, there was a period, you may have experienced this. Sometimes you just think, oh, I'm going to take my book today. Somebody, you know what I mean? I'm going to talk to my chiropractor. I'm going to show him this book. That's all I was thinking. And I had my book and I showed it to him and I told him the story and we got to sit and chat for about an hour. And it was fabulous. And he said, you know, we just talked and talked. I mainly listened. And he said, you know, your next book should be a children's book about going vegan. And I was like, got it. It wasn't. I mean, I haven't done it yet, but it's still in my mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have had experience. Well, okay, good. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. (laughs) So um, how do you describe yourself when people ask you, you know, hey, Tracy, you know, how do you eat? Do you say you're plant-based? Do you say you're vegan? Do you say, you know, you're plant-strong? What do you say? (laughs) I say I'm vegan. I say Uh I'm vegan. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, when I write about veganism, when I'm doing a lecture or something like that, just for variety, I will say vegan and plant-based. Um, sometimes I'll say plant-exclusive. I think when your book uh, came out or when you, um, one of your, maybe when your first book came out, I was like, oh, I love that term, plant-strong. So yeah. I would know say you know as rip esselstyn says plant strong and then um there was plant rich somebody was saying you know so i've used these different terms but mainly it's vegan and plant-based and i kind of use them interchangeably for variety yeah yeah no i I guess um i'm I'm wondering like so it seems like you're you're one of your plights is to try and get as many black women as possible to go vegan correct well plight is a negative term. It's okay, okay. One of my passions, if that's yes. what you mean. Yes, yeah. well, yes. So, yes, my bad, my bad, right? So, <laughs> yes. And, and you recently started a, a movement, right? Hmm? Can you tell me, a, 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 like, what's the name of that movement? And, uh, and, and then the timeliness of it could not have been better. Yeah, well, so the, I started a movement called 10,000 Black Vegan Women. And I'm a word nerd, so forgive me for that plight thing. <laughs> no, I, no, please, I, I, help, help me, help me. <laughs> so, um, you help me too. So, um, but yeah, the, so I started this program, 10,000 Black Vegan Women, because uh, this is the 10th anniversary of my first book, By Any Greens Necessary, which was the first vegan diet book for Black women. And um, when, you know, in these last 10 years, it's, um, you know, I am actually very proud to say been one of the most influential vegan books. Um, and particularly when it comes to um, popularizing veganism among this generation of, of um, African Americans. And uh, so, you know, it's helped thousands of folks go vegan, particularly black women. And so for the anniversary, I wanted to do something even bigger and bolder to commemorate that memorable. And so I thought, uh, having 10,000 black, black women go vegan together in one year, in 2020. And so that's why I chose this year, because it's the 10-year anniversary of that book. Um, so I soft-launched the program in February. COVID-19 hits, and I decided to move it back. You know, it's, it's going to be a free online program. So that was great. It was already online. But because we were in such an unknown you know, state in terms of what we can eat, you know, all of it, you know, at that time in, in um, February and early March, I decided to move it back to May. And then as we approached May and we're still in this precarious state, I decided to move it back to October. So when people sign up for the program, they get now a weekend, a free weekend vegan two-day jumpstart guide. And yep. so they can download that. It's, there's eight recipes, a meal plan, grocery shopping list, meal prep tips. So they can go vegan right away for the weekend. And they also get a weekly email from me with nutrition tips, inspiration, right? 6,500. 6,500. So we got to yeah. get 3,500 more. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, 3,500 yeah. more. We, we have an average of about, we're averaging about 50 women a day. Um, and 
women from around the world, actually. But yeah, we'll get there and people can still sign up after October. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, we definitely, I want to get hit 10 before October for sure. So we, so that is ongoing as we lead up to the official launch in October. And the reason, as you say, that it, it's, it's timely and even more important than ever is because we are seeing that the folks who are hardest hit by the pandemic, the folks who um, are getting sick and dying in the highest numbers are black folks. And that's because the, the root cause of that is systemic white supremacy. And one of the symptoms of that is, pre -ex is uh, you know, higher rates of chronic disease. So systemic white supremacy affects us in health, education, housing, economics. I mean, every, you know, every aspect of life, that's, how it's that's what it's structured to do. And so when it comes to health, it is no surprise that African-Americans experience the highest rates of chronic diseases that are preventable. In, and in particular, black women have the highest rates of heart disease, stroke, certain cancers, and diabetes. And so we came into the pandemic with that. The pandemic has made that worse. You know, so if you are already coming in with these pre-existing conditions, you are likely, if you get the disease, to get sicker and die in the highest numbers from it. And so what do we do about that, right? Well, there are lots of things that can be done about that. One of the things is to uh, take back control of our health by changing the way we eat, right? So there's resistance to systemic white supremacy, to police brutality, and you know, and then, you know, all of this police brutality um, you know, all of this came to, um, came in stark relief also, right, with Ahmed, with Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, and many other people who were being killed, you know, in a three-week period by police. Yeah. And so, um, what I say about that, so all of this is happening, right? We have, we're, we're dying in highest numbers from, from pre-existing chronic disease. And one of the best ways to remedy that and take back control of our health is to eat healthier plant-based foods because those are the healthiest foods to eat so that if a pandemic occurs again, we are less likely um, to, you know, get it, to be sick and to die in these highest numbers. Also, with the police brutality happening on top of that, consistently, but in stark relief because of these videos um, and, and, the, and the particular lynching, this police officer lynching George Floyd and the, and the worldwide outcry. Um, for me, I look at that and I say, you know, it's devastating, it's paralyzing, it's traumatic. And when you look at the system as a whole in terms of police brutality against black people and people of color, there, there are a thousand plus uh, black folks, people of color who are killed by police every year, right? In these types of instances, instances, um, police brutality, killed by vigilantes, like with Ahmaud Arbery, Arbery and those uh, three white men who killed him. But, or and, not but, that's, a, that's traumatic, that is ongoing 400 years, right? We also know that 800 African-Americans die every day from preventable diet-related diseases. That's more than 300,000 people a year. So you've got 1,000 plus here, you've got 300,000 plus here, both traumatic preventable um, issues, right? We have national and worldwide outcry about this one, this 1,000 plus, but not about this 300,000 plus. And I'm always thinking about that, right? I want, there, there are always people working on it. Black folks have been leaders, pioneers, trailblazers in the vegan movement. We were plant-based, not plant-exclusive in West and Central Africa, right? So we know we have a long tradition of this, but the knowledge and the outcry about it is just not there, and it should be, right? So you have people who are victims, who, you know, who are being killed and victimized and brutalized by police in this way. Um, and you have people protesting about it, resisting about it, and it's been ongoing for generations. But you have many of these folks 
who then are eating food that is hastening their death, right? The standard American diet. And that is yet another reason why this is so important, because if we're going to be resisting, we're going to be activists in these many ways, we must take care of ourselves. It doesn't matter if you're a lifelong athlete or a weekend warrior. When you eat clean fuel, you're able to perform at a higher level. The same is absolutely true for our pets. The better they eat, the more active and vibrant they are. In fact, when I'm riding my mountain bike, my dog Jade runs right along with me with the energy and vibrancy of a young pup, thanks to Wild Earth Dog Food. I run on clean plant-based protein and so does she. To learn more, visit the episode place at plantstrongpodcast.com to claim up to 50% off your order. We must be healthy. So for me, this is the way that, that Dick Gregory talked about veganism, right? In 1986, this is the way I have always thought about it. All of these things are interconnected. They're never separate. And so this whole period has just, again, you know, brought all of these things to, you know, that are already connected to the fore in my mind and many others. Yeah, well, to me, it so just... answer. <laughs> no, and that, that was a beautiful answer. And uh, to me, it just, it shines such a wonderful light on the work that you're doing and the advocacy and the passion that you have for getting this word out to black people specifically it seems like black women if you can get right. the black black women you're probably going to get the, the black families etc cetera, etc cetera. absolutely so absolutely. but, but I, let me ask you this and i, and I want to go back just a little bit to you know the word veganism and I'm wondering if you feel like in your culture, the black culture, that word veganism carries some baggage with it and, oh, you know what, that's white food and stuff like that. Or do you feel like that's not the case? Um, I have never felt that was the case. Uh, no. Again, um, it's not the, it's not the, because, and the, and the way that I'll answer that is this. First, um, I learned about veganism from Dick Gregory, right? And then um, when I took my junior year away, that next year, I went to Nairobi, Kenya the first year and I had two experiences. I couldn't be vegetarian, although I wanted to be, um, but I had two experiences with animals on safari that made me know I didn't want to eat them again. So I go back home, the next semester I'm in DC, I'm going to Howard University and I'm walking back and forth to campus. And I find out that there is a large black vegan and vegetarian community right near Howard University that started the first 100% vegan restaurants, cafes, carryouts, and health food stores in the nation's capital, starting in the 1970s. There were 14 of them. So again, this yeah. is 97 before the internet. So my mom and I immersed ourselves in this community. We learned how to cook. There were cooking demonstrations all the time. There were lectures. They were bringing people around the country. Um, and we went to these lectures. People just in the community were holding court. There were raw food vegans. Um, there were people who were African Hebrew Israelites. There were people from the Nation of Islam. There was soul food vegetarian uh, restaurant, which until recently had the largest chain of vegan restaurants around the world, 14 locations. Um, so this is the community that I learned how to be vegan from, right? And um, when we were protesting, I think at that time was the uh, Iraq War, you know, when we were having rallies and, organi and organizing and, and doing protests, there were always vegan food trucks. You didn't have to bring your food. You didn't have to worry about, you know, anything. There was yeah. always food there. So I... This is a long answer to your question because for, for me, veganism has always been black. It has always been a part of my culture. I still, 33 years later, know more black vegans than I know white vegans. And you know, I know most folks, right? Well, well it, it's, so, it's, not a, it's never been a white thing. The yeah. term 
health has been, you know, we started with vegetarian as an umbrella term for vegan, vegetarian, raw foodists, uh, breatharians, you know what I mean? So the yeah. term changed, but the idea that it's a white thing was never my experience. And honestly, I thought that I, this was the experience of most folks around the country, that there were just, wherever there were large black vegan community, uh, black communities and cities, there were black vegetarian societies, there were black uh, outlet, you know, black restaurants, cafes, the whole, the whole nine yards. I assumed that for years. The reason I asked this question is because I recently interviewed Dr. Jarek Conrad, who will be next week's guest on the podcast. He wrote a book called The Fragile Mind, and in it, he tells the story about having his parents over for dinner, and when they saw how he was eating, his mother asked him why he was eating white people food. I wanted to know if Tracy encountered this as well. I can't but, answer. Yeah. Most yeah. Think. That's number one. <laughs> yeah. No, I know you can't. You can't. Yeah. I, and uh, number two, I mean, you couldn't answer what most white people think about veganism, right? Um, they they I, don't. Most, pe- most white people, they're not <laughs> vegan. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but most black people aren't vegan either, right? Um, but, but we are the fastest growing vegan and vegetarian demographic in the country, right? 8% of black folks are vegan or vegetarian as compared to 3% of whites. And then, you know, fewer when it comes to Latinx communities, Asian American communities, native, uh, communities. So, you know, there's that, but then, and there's, and it's always been like that, but the majority of us eat the standard American diet, right? So, um, yes, there is definitely that. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're speaking about, you know, not just my personal experience with it, but the broader experience, absolutely, for a variety of reasons, yeah. you know, folks haven't been introduced to the information, and sometimes when they are introduced to the information, it depends on where it's coming from. You know, they think they may think that it's a white thing or it's a skinny white woman thing, right? Um, but my experience teaching veganism for thirty years, uh, thirty plus years, is that once the once I connect the dots the way that Dick Gregory connected the dots, then people yep. instantly get it. So I don't. It's not. A, it's a non. It's not a topic that I address. It's a non-issue for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One more comment, and then I want to move move on. Okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, and that, and that is and and I want you to know how much I loved this book. Right? Can you see oh. it? Can you see it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at I mean, all my notes and everything. It was spectacular. Uh, uh, and I recommend I I recommend it to anybody that wants to like delve into and start this lifestyle. It's it's fantastic. But what? So I really I, I took a. I loved the way you wrote it. I loved, you know, um, the way you um, brought different people into it. But like your relation, or I shouldn't say relationship, but your uh, the way you were so motivated by Dick Gregory. And one of the things that he said, and maybe he said this during your talk at Amherst, was, mm-hmm. and this is regarding to soul food. He said, mm-hmm. the quickest way to wipe out a group of people is to put them on a soul food diet. And, and then, and then, and, and like, I, I would imagine that if, if I love this kind of food and I didn't want it to be taken away from me, I would maybe turn to like Brian Terry and all the great stuff he's doing in creating soul food that's healthy, right? Um, but, but they have soul vegetarian restaurant, right? As I mentioned, that yeah. they have been around since uh, the at least at least the early 80s, right? Like specifically doing vegan soul food. They started in Atlanta. Um, the largest, uh, you know, they were the largest chain of vegan soul food restaurants. So they have, they have pioneered this movement in terms of vegan soul food in many cities around the country, including D.C. So there, so when, um, but you know, most black folks don't know that or know about it, right? Yeah. So that's the issue. So they, and they they have cookbooks, they have, um, you know, that's already a, that's already a movement and a subject that they've, that they've pioneered and, and, uh, you know, 
from which Bryant Terry and, and, um, and me and other folks, you know, um, have benefited and blossomed from, right? Yeah. Um, so yes, it's definitely an issue. It's with the cuisine, right? When we, we I'll give you an example. Um, my family has been having Thanksgiving um, every year together. My extended family in D.C., hundreds of people have a really large family for, since before I was born for more than 60 years. And when my mother and sister and I first became vegan, we would bring all of this vegan food, right? And we'd be like vegan evangelists. Um, try this food, have this, you know, all of that. And we were teased mercilessly. We weren't. I don't recall people saying this is this food is white. I just recall my relatives saying, "What is this food?" You know what I mean? Why are you eating this? Why aren't you eating the fried chicken and the mac and cheese, right? Um, my friends, um, you know, I I don't recall them saying that, but that's just my person. You know, they were just like, "What? What is this food? Why are you eating this?" But at the so. And, and, I, and again, I may be just, uh, you know, I may just have really been uh, privileged growing up in a majority black city all this time that I've been, you know, vegan, you know, when I'm early on and, and being immersed in this so that it was, you know, this notion that it's a white thing just was not my experience. And even when it was new to people and being introduced to it, immediately we had this community and these resources to refer them to. So we didn't have to refer to white things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So honestly, that's my honest answer. That just has not been my experience. And uh, I assumed that that was, the, that was the case with most black folks too until I learned otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have a question for you. Okay. So, I have never heard a word that's on the front of this book before, and I'd love for you to explain to me what it means. So, yes, but you're, but let me, <laughs> so your, your subtitle is a revolutionary guide for black women who want to eat great, get healthy, lose weight and look fat spelled P H A T. What in the world does that mean? So, so Rip, you didn't look it up. You just got you. you have, I didn't. You, I didn't. I didn't because I want it. I want it to be authentic here. When you tell me what it means, <laughs> I'm imagining it's got to be something that's positive. Yeah, of course. It just means curvy, thick. That's all. Mm -hmm. P H A T. Um, I mean, it's an acronym for something that I don't recall at the moment. Yeah. Um, that I would have to Google too. But that's all it means. It just means you know thick and curvy, and oh. that is you know what. Um, and that's probably something that's very, very, uh, well, that's, not, that's, that's normally, you know, we tend to, we tend to have, we tend to be curvier, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, a, and, uh, a lot of, um, women don't want to lose those curves. Right. And so you can be curvy. Basically, I was saying you can still be curvy, just like folks who are fitness experts with, you know, and they have clients and their clients are afraid they're going to lose their curves. They yeah. will, might yeah. say the same thing. You can still be fat, you know? Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, that's really, that's really clever. That's very clever. Uh, Thank you. So you've been at this 33 years. Uh, what would you say was the hardest thing for you, Tracy, to, to give up? Cheese, for cheese. sure. So it was definitely cheese. Um, I loved cheese so much. Um, and, I will, and I will also say that I never liked fish. I never liked seafood. I like yeah. crab and lobster and scallops, I think. But just fish, Yeah. never liked it, never liked eggs. So those were two things, bam, I didn't have to deal with, right? Um, and a lot of times fish can be the hardest thing for folks to let go of. And they also have this notion that it's healthier. Um, but it was cheese for me. And, um, I really, it took me about a year and a half to let go of cheese. And the deal with that was that, um, I knew that, uh, I might never come to dislike the smell of cheese, the look of cheese or the taste of cheese. I had come to dislike 
the look of meat in the grocery store, the, you know, the notion of how it's produced, factory farming, the slaughterhouse, all of that, the smell of it, barbecues, you know, it repulsed me. But cheese never did. And, uh, you know, in that time. And so I realized that that might never be the case. And so I had to, it, I had to, you know, make it mind over matter. And so the way that I did this was I had this goal. I am going to let go of cheese. That's my goal. I'm going to reach it. And so I would um, read everything I could that was available at the time about how cruelly it's produced, yeah. how unhealthy it is, if the biggest source of, uh, one of the biggest sources of saturated fat in the in the uh, American diet, it, it, it definitely was then, uh, and still one of the, or if not the, there's so many other types of processed products now. Um, and, you know, I just, and I watched videos. And so while I was eating cheese and, you know, taking one step forward and then two steps back, I was still reading and watching and having conversations with people. So all of these things were still working together. And so what I tell people is have this goal in mind to be vegan. And if you take, you slip up and you take us, you know, two steps back, start again the next day, but don't stop talking to people who are, you know, already vegan or transitioning with you. Continue to watch videos, watch, you know, read the books because that is still working on your mind. It's yeah. all still working and it will eventually click. And that's what happened to me. The momentary pleasure of a piece of cheese in my mouth wasn't worth the health risk. Finally, it just clicked. And I didn't, yeah. I hadn't desire for it anymore. Yeah, I, I like telling people, because you're right. I mean, that, that to me is probably the hardest thing for people to, to, to drop is the cheese. And, you know, once yeah. you underst understand what's going on with cheese and, you know, the case of morphines and the saturated fat. And Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's why we, you know, we kind of affectionately call it dairy crack, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it is. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so I like to say, yeah, you know, we want to get you off that dairy crack and <laughs> we want you to stop worsh worshiping at the church of Jesus seven days a week. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, when we went from 30, 30 years ago, the vegan cheese was awful to me. <laughs> it didn't melt. Yeah, it tasted yeah. like plow. So when yeah. you were letting go on cheese, you were letting it go. Oh, yeah. Like, it had, yeah. you know, the vegan cheeses now, some of them are so much better. But then it was like, you're just cutting. No, no, and no, no, no it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was atrocious. Yeah. Um, can you remember back to when you started this? I mean, because I know it's 33 years, and people ask me this question, but what differences did you notice as far as did you feel better? Did you look mm -hmm. better? Were there, were there any obvious differences when you let go of the dairy and the meat and the processed yeah. foods? Yeah, definitely. So I, um, you know, that 25 pounds I had gained my first year um, by – I, that dropped. I mean, by the I dropped time, and you were looking fat after that. I was looking fat. I was looking fat that. Um, exactly. That's going to be your word now. <laughs> I have to use it five more times during this interview. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that definitely, you know, I definitely dropped that weight. Um, I also had um, really, you know, I have naturally oily skin. So I had acne uh, and pimples. And my skin cleared up and it didn't, you know, it's, it's, I, I noticed it's that it started to clear up, but really when I went on my first cleanse after I went vegan and I went raw for like two weeks on, the, on this cleanse, it clean, it cleared up from the inside. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so my skin, you know, is much better. I felt people were commenting that it glows, you know, and, um, what else? My, you know, my menses was lighter. Um, and I rarely got cramps like throughout my whole, you know, yeah. I've been vegan now my whole adult life. I rarely get cramps. I rarely got cramps. I'll be 54. So I'm on the other side of that. I'm getting on the 54, other 54. If I didn't know better, I just reversed those digits. I thought you're maybe 45. If that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the club. club. Exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. So yeah. So I, those were the those were the main things, Rip. And and also because I was young, you know, I was in my twenties. I didn't I didn't really. Uh, I mean, I could have had health issues, but I did, you know, at that age. But I didn't. And so just being vegan my my adult life, I've been able to maintain my health. But those were the major things: losing that twenty five pounds, clearing up my skin. And my menses was, you know, was much lighter. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I, I wanted that. I want that to dovetail us right now into ageless vegan because you do. Look, I mean, you do look so absolutely remarkable for fifty-four. And then, of course, your your mother Mary, who is eighty-three now, if I'm not mistaken. She'll be eighty-four this month. Right. I mean, so she is like. She epitomizes what what uh, an eighty four year old plant strong vegan can look like, yes. right? Uh, and and the fact that you guys have been in this journey together, right? Mm -hmm. And you and you wrote Ageless Vegan with kind of with your mother, yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a beautiful book, hundred killer recipes. Thank uh, you. Um, so I mean, so do you do you aspire? to kind of be like your mother when you're 84? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The same with your family. You know, yeah. you can see the, you can see what, you know, you hope to be, how healthy you hope to still be, how you hope to maintain it. My mother, uh, you know, went vegan with me when she was in her early 50s. And um, she, uh, at almost 84, has the same health markers, you know, her doctors say she has the same health markers as she did when she was in her 50s. Yeah, yeah. She has no chronic diseases. She has the same weight, same hourglass figure. She um, is one of 14. It's not, it's not hourglass. It's fat, right? It's fat. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, yes. Um, so she... You know, she's one of 14 siblings, and um, of the ones who survived into their senior year, she's the only one who doesn't have a chronic disease. Yeah. And both of her parents died of chronic diseases. I never met my grandparents on her side. Um, so she has changed that paradigm, right? And she also exercises six days a week, twice a day. Well, she was before the pandemic at her senior center. And I'm talking about weight training, yoga, Pilates, aerobics. Um, and she walks everywhere. So she really is a beast. I mean, I really <laughs> look up to mom and yeah. I hope, I'm, you know, that I'm able to be as healthy and just have the mindset of, of you know, still wanting to be healthy for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, it was really important for me to, to write this book with my mom because my sister Maria, who's also, you know, we all three went vegan together and had the support system. We were working together early on since the late 80s. You know, we started the first vegan, one of the earliest vegan websites ever. I think in, in, in 1996, there were, I think, maybe four vegan websites at the time that I recall. Ours was one of, one of the, ours may have been the fifth, and it was the first by and for um, black folks. Yeah. The first vegan website, 1996-97. So we have been working together for years. Um, and she's a historian. Um, so she, you know, is the reason I know so much of this history. But my mom, um, you know, I wanted at the, our 30-year anniversary, which was, you know, in 2018, I wanted the world to know about my mom. You know, and I'm not, you know, the world. Just, you know, I just wanted to write a book with my mom. And, and uh have her story be out there and be inspirational because it's one thing to be vegan from 20 to 50, but to be vegan from 50 to 80 and see what that looks like and know that you can do it um, at any age is really powerful. Well, you said she's a vegan beast. I think that your, <laughs> your mother and my mother need to get together for some weight, uh, weight exercises and also for some yoga sessions. They would oh, get it yeah. off. And then, oh, they, and, and then they follow that up by going to somebody's house and cooking some, uh, cooking some really good, uh, healthy vegan food. That'd be good. Yeah, 
Yes, absolutely. And I've seen, you know, of course, I've, I've seen your mom's um, vegan food. Yeah. And I think that would be a fabulous idea if they got together. Yeah. And, you know, we could sit and eat what they made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. Uh, yeah. You know, another thing in, in reading Ageless Vegan, and I want you to know I don't have it in front of me because I got it on my Kindle. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, you kind of you, you give a nice nod to your mother and, and how much she kind of taught you guys, I think you and your, your siblings, in regards to volunteerism and, you know, helping out people. Uh, and I think that, was it fair to say that she's a large part of your activism today? She is the, she absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, she's the reason my, you know, we were, I would say my mom was divorced by the time I was born. Right. You know, so, so, or separated and then divorced. So she became a divorced mom of three girls. And um, so we, you know, not so, but also we did not have a lot of money up. Um, and yet every Christmas we sponsored at least one family that, you know, had fewer resources than we did, right? That's something we did. And we cooked food and bought, brought gifts for them and actually went and sat with them. We didn't just, you know, take it to a place. We took it to the family and, um, you know, and sat with them and ate with them and talked with them. And that was, you know, and, you know, and these were, you know, this was public housing um, that we would go to, you know, and, and we didn't, that was a new experience for us. And, you know, that's what we did. And my mother volunteered all the time in, you know, for women who were um, um, domestically abused as she was for a period um, for um, people who were formerly incarcerated, just, you know, a number of different types of organizations. So I absolutely get that from my mother. She still does things. Um, you know, she gives money, uh, you know, my mom is a, retired as a, as a paralegal long ago. She's doing great, doing fine, and she still gives money and, uh, you know, teaches quilting at her senior center, um, still volunteers. So, yes, this is something that is a lifestyle of hers, and she instilled that in us, that it's, it is important to volunteer, to give back, and to be activist. So it's not a – it's, you know, it's just how we were raised. Do, yeah. you, do, you, do you talk to her every day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I'd say I'd say I probably talk to my mom almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, um, so, help me out with the title of your first book. By any greens necessary. Is that a take on a quote or Malcolm X or what's the background yeah. there? Yeah, that is a take on by any means necessary, but that was popularized by Malcolm X. Um, and I mean, he, he may have originated it. I, I just am not able to verify that, but it may, may well be true, but he absolutely popularized it and it's attributed to him. Um, so when I was writing the first book, I wanted to come up with a title that was uh, clever, that was black. And that was uh, memorable. And so I just decided, and I was struggling with it, and I just decided I'm just going to look up some famous black quotes. And yeah. as soon as I saw that one, I was like, that's it, by any means necessary. It says everything right there in the title. So that, I trademarked it. That's the name of my business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so. And other stuff should be coming at some point, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but tell me this. So I, I, I love I love the quote, but why is it by any greens necessary instead of by any beans or by any fruit? Or why did you pick greens? Good question. Nobody has asked me why not by any beans. That would have worked too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Really? Because then you don't do Then you, that's the protein question, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a good, it's, it's a good question. And I, and I'm going to, I, mean, I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's because of, <laughs> is it because of collard, collard greens or just, yeah. It is. yeah. I'm, I'm going to answer your question. I'm okay. Just, okay. <laughs> so good. I have to use that too. Um, but yeah, I, it's definitely because, um, 
you know, greens are the most nutrition packed food that we can eat. So, you know, dark leafy greens, the healthiest foods on the planet. Also, um, call it, you know, these greens are a part of soul food, right? Collard greens, mustard greens, um, turnip greens. So it, it was a cultural constant, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so even as, um, you know, even as omnivores, even as eating the standard American diet, people may put, may season their meat. I mean, their greens with meat, but greens were, you know, it's a cultural marker. So I wanted yeah. so. I, I said greens but for those two reasons. Well, my, so one of, one of my big things in, in my third book, The Seven Day Rescue, and that I got from my father is three, three to six servings of green leafies a day because they are such a nutritional powerhouse. And, mm -hmm. and, and so uh, I want you to know that my father uh, loves this, uh, you know, greens more than anything that's that's his that's his thing greens man you got to power them down yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I really appreciate that tell him i said thank you oh well you can yeah. tell him you can tell him yourself at plant stock this year okay good <laughs> awesome that yeah works. yeah yeah so let me ask you this this is kind of a personal question sure so you ready yes <laughs> good good <laughs> So are, are you dating right now? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Uh, okay, so go ahead, ask your part but, too. But, but my, <laughs> so my question is, <laughs> Trace, yeah, but no, I want to know um, when you are dating, Yeah. does it have to be somebody that like, you know, is a, is a vegan or does it not matter? I uh, just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, so um, originally, no, it did not have to be, right, when, when I was younger. Um, but so I have dated men who were not uh, vegan, and that let me know that they had to be vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forward. Because the, as I got older, I came to understand that um, you know, my partner's health might decline, might decline, could likely decline, and mine would hopefully maintain or even get better, right, as we got older. And um, that was number one. Number two, I didn't want to be intimate with somebody, you know, I, I realized over time, I didn't want to be intimate with somebody who ate animals, right, um, and, you know, ate dairy products. And, um because this is my lifestyle, but also, and also my profession, um, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I know that I was very self-righteous in my younger years and I have really worked hard not to be that way. It's, you know, it may not seem because it's my profession. I'm always talking about it. Right. But I also, um, want to meet folks where they are and, you know, just want to share information and just kind of, you know, let it go. We're all adults. And so I wanted anybody that I was with to be, to be vegan because they wanted to be vegan. I may have been an, an inspiration, a catalyst, a spark or whatever, like Dick Gregory was for me, but I didn't want them to do it just because they were with me because as soon as they got mad, they'd go eat a hamburger. And that happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can't deal with that. So absolutely, I have dated um, some men who weren't vegan and I, uh, you know, were wonderful people, but you know, ultimately that was one of the reasons not, you know, that it didn't work out, but I have had, uh, a, you know, a relationship. I had a long-term relationship with someone who was vegan and, um, you know, it was wonderful. That was just, you know, there were other reasons that we didn't end up being together, but maintained a, a great friendship. So yes. They have to be vegan. And that's just, again, my personal yeah. choice. Well, I totally get it. Uh, obviously, I, 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 I married somebody who is, uh, they, they, she wasn't when I met her, but mm -hmm. within two months, she very quickly came over to the, um, to the good side. Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. Whatever side, right. <laughs> but I, I want to I say something about this because, you know, so my neighbors, right, I'm in my office right now, 
Uh-huh. And, and my neighbors, their refrigerator went out and their freezer. So they asked me if they could use my refrigerator and icebox here in my office. I said, absolutely. And of course, they've got meat and they've got dairy and they've got all that stuff. And every time I would open up the refrigerator to get to get like my food, I could not believe the the odor that came out of the fridge. Mm. And I was just appalled by it. So just for that reason alone, I could not I could not like live with somebody that doesn't eat the way I do because the smell is just intolerable. Yeah, that's the smell of it uncooked. And then the the awful smell of it cooked, too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a good point, too. But anyway, it's 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 so deep. It's so deep. (laughs) Well, let me tell you this since you asked me that question. Yeah, uh, I am. I am available and I am looking. So I just want to put that out there because I'm in my 50s now and I'm being more bold about it. So there you go. (laughs) All right. Well, fantastic. We'll get the word out, Tracy. (laughs) All right. Good stuff. You've got your five, five fab core rules, and you've also got your 14 steps to a healthier you. Mm-hmm. Can, can I get what, can you talk to me about one of each? And if you want to make me, for me yeah. to make it easier, I can throw one out to you, or you can just think of one of your fab five food rules that you want to share, and then one of your 14 steps to a healthier you. Um, sure. So I, I the uh, one of the fab five food rules, um, you know, really quickly is um, by any greens necessary, eat your greens, right? Yes. He, as your father says, definitely eat dark leafy greens at least three times a day. If you can, I mean, if you can eat them, at, I'm sorry, at least twice a day for, you know, your meals. If you can eat them three times a day, you know, a smoothie for breakfast, a wrap, a salad, stir fry for lunch or dinner, awesome. Um, so that's one. Okay. And then so, the Fab Five. Yeah. And then for the 14, uh, I think the first one, uh, which is no, know one your, of the, know, know your, your why. Wife. So important. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so important to know your why. That's the foundation because you are going, there's, we live in a meat and dairy centered society. You may or may not have support. And so you have to be solid in why you're doing it and have this goal and work back from there. And it's not a race. It's not a competition. It's your journey. But know that you will get there. You can get there and, and go on the path. Yeah. So, uh we're, we're going to have to have a part two. We really will. Okay? Yeah. Um, well, you know what, Tracy? This has, been, this has been a lot of fun for me. It really has. And uh, I, I love the way our conversation ebbed and flowed and what we talked about. And I think that, that our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. So thank you for this, this conversation, really. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun for me, too. I appreciate it. It's yeah. great to talk about a vegan OG. <laughs> OG? OG? What's that oh, mean? Or old gangster or oh. old, <laughs> old, older vegan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that's good. But, but in signing off, I want to say this about you. It's just it's so apparent to me how you are so absolutely 100% committed to a socially just world. And you see, you see food as being the cornerstone in helping to create that world. And uh, I, uh, I want to commend you for that. I want to I wanna do everything I can to help you do that. Um, and, uh, and so I want you to know that we will be communicating a lot more going, okay. going forward. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, that makes my day. Thank you yeah. so much. Me yeah. too. Me too. So can we, <laughs> can we do the, uh, the, the traditional uh, plant strong sign off? If you just repeat after me, ready? Yeah. Peace. Peace. Engine two. Engine two. Plant strong. Plant strong. There, give me a little bump. Woo. <laughs> awesome. Tracy, thank you. Thank you, Rip. I appreciate it. Much love. Byanygreensnecessary.com is where you can head to learn more about Tracy McWhorter 
including the 10,000 Black Vegan Women Movement. Let's help her hit that mark before October and do our best to become passionate advocates for anyone looking to make long-lasting lifestyle changes. Next week, we continue the conversation on activism and education with author and human resources expert, Dr. Jarek Conrad. Don't forget to visit plantstrongpodcast.com for episode links and all the details for Plant Stock 2020. Peace, Engine 2. Keep it plant strong. We discovered a silver lining through COVID-19 by forcing us to change our ninth annual Plant Stock event to an online format. It has allowed us to reach many more plant curious people around the globe. And right now, the need has never been greater for people to adopt a whole food, plant strong lifestyle. This year's event will feature the brightest luminaries in the scientific research, including doctors Michael Clapper, Sarai Stanzik, Michael Greger, my father, and a host of other Brock stars. Join us for our upcoming online Plant Stock Weekend from August 14th to the 16th. We are packing this live event with science and practical application and offering you a chance for your whole household to learn and cook along with us. We'll give you a front row seat to the Esselstyn Family Farm. And if you can't catch it live, no sweat. Video access is included for a year with every ticket. And partial proceeds will benefit the Esselstyn Family Foundation. And financial assistance is available. Visit plantstock2020.com today and learn more. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryl Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.